The following message was recorded at Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org. Let's pray. We thank you, Lord, so much for your presence. We thank you, Lord, for your great love. For us. And uh, Jesus, we thank you for your spirit. We yield this time to you. I pray, God, that you would be glorified. Lord, be glorified. We need to see you today, to experience, to encounter you today. And Lord, you know these folk here, your sheep that you've brought here this morning. In God, you know the work that you desire to do in each of our lives, our hearts, our families. You know the purpose that you have planned for us. And I pray, Lord, now as we gather around your word, that you'd give us ears to hear and hearts, Lord, to receive from you. Lord, uh, there may be one or two here this morning who are brokenhearted. I pray, God, that you would bind up the brokenhearted this morning. There are others that are seeking direction. They're looking, Lord God, for you. I pray, God, that you grant clear direction this morning. There are several, Lord, who need healing, emotional, spiritual, physical healing. And Jesus, again, we heard it already, by your stripes we are healed. And I pray, God, that by your Holy Spirit, by your mercy, by your grace, that you'd minister healing to the people here, Lord, who need it. And Jesus, it's our privilege, it's our honor to be here in your presence. And again, we love you, we look to you, we trust you, and all of God's children together can say amen and amen. This morning's one of those mornings where I have so much to say, and I'm going to just have to rely on the Holy Spirit to fill in the He'll do anyway. This is his word, um, and um, I'm just trusting. I'm desperate for, for the Lord to speak this morning um, and to make sure that he's glorified here this morning. So turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 7, and we've been working our way through the book of John, and what I want to do this morning is I want to just pick up where we left off last week. So if you don't have a Bible, you'll notice in front of you underneath the chairs, there are Bibles there. Feel free to grab one, and if you don't own a Bible, feel free to bring it home. I mean, one of the focus this morning of, of today's message will be the importance um, of the scriptures, of you and I digging deep into the word of God. So John chapter 7, and I'm going to begin with verse 14, and we're going to walk through several verses together this morning. 
But we begin, of course, in the previous verses with Jesus. And here he is in Jerusalem at the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths. And if you read, there is widespread whispering going on about him in the crowd. Seems that the crowd is divided with regard to Jesus. Some say that he's a good man. And on the other side, some are accusing him of being a deceiver. So there's confusion with regard to Jesus, to who he is. And that should sound familiar to you and me this morning here in the United States in 2019. There's a lot of confusion with regard to who Jesus is. So how does Jesus address the controversy? How does he clear up the confusion with regard to himself? And we notice, again, the entire book of John points to the deity of Christ. In the entire book of John, there are several signposts or signs or miracles that point to his deity. But this morning, interestingly, to clear up the controversy, to address the confusion that we're going to read in just a moment about himself, what Jesus does is he points to his teaching. He points to his doctrine. Now, the idea of focusing on doctrine or teaching is much maligned in today's world, especially in the United States. We're very experiential. We want to feel things. We want to experience things. And unfortunately, um, we have in the process I think undervalued the importance of teaching and sound doctrine. So doctrine is extremely important. Though it is maligned, it is an extremely important part of the Christian faith. And this morning, I want to unpack that. Why each of us here are called into a deep pursuit of sound teaching. That that's part of our Christian calling is that you and I should be Bereans. We should be folk of the word, people of the book. And here Jesus points us to his teaching. Look at verse 14. About the middle of the feast. Again, this is the feast of booths or the feast of tabernacles. Jesus went up into the temple in Jerusalem and began teaching. The Jews, the Jewish leadership, therefore marveled, saying, how is it that this man has learning when he has never studied? It's interesting, the Jewish leadership, the Jewish hierarchy here, they marvel at the teachings of Jesus, and they call into question his credentials, if you will. You see, the Jew Jewish leaders knew that Jesus had not studied or had been discipled under a prominent rabbi. We know, for example, that the Apostle Paul did. But here, Jesus, they knew, clearly did not. 
fit that mold. And so they begin to question him. Jesus does not follow the normal and expected course of education for a teacher. And by the way, looking at the different commentaries about this, he's probably speaking Hebrew. He could speak Hebrew. He could speak Greek. He could speak Aramaic. And these educated folk are blown away by this man who they see as relatively unqualified. Now, there's a side principle here that we'll get to. But before we do that, I want you to realize that these folk are questioning Jesus with regard to his credentials. And little did they know that they're speaking to the very source of the scriptures, the very author of the book and the object of the book. The whole Bible is essentially about Jesus. Old Testament and New Testament. John 1 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, the Logos, and the Word was with God, and the Word, Logos, Jesus, was God. So here he is being questioned by these folk with regard to his credentials, and little do they know that the very law that they're referencing was written by him. Through him, he's the source of the very scriptures. Here's a side principle, though. Now, I'm an educator. I'm married to an educator. And I believe strongly in education. So please don't hear this as me saying you don't have to be educated. And I have a theological education. My undergrad is in biblical studies. So I understand education is important. But listen, there's a principle here. When it comes to teaching the scriptures, whether you're in Sunday school, whether you're in small group, whether you're in front of a large crowd, or frankly, whether you're on the corner witnessing to somebody using the scriptures, here's the principle. It's so much more important that you have a right relationship with God than you have degrees hanging up in your office on the mantle. It's so much more important that you have a fire in your belly, a passion in your soul as it relates to your creator, that you're prayed up, that you're in the word, that you're on your knees, that you're anointed by God. Not again, I'm not discarding preparation and education, but I know a lot of folk who are really educated who are not walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's an interesting principle here. They're questioning the source of the scriptures and they themselves, no idea. Verse 16. Here's Jesus's response to their question. And again, the context here, confusion in the audience and the crowd at large, they don't know who he is. Here's what Jesus says. So, so Jesus answered them, it's amazing. He says, my teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. Jesus says, my teaching, he draws their attention to his teaching. Didache, the word is in Greek, it appears 20 times, or I'm sorry, 30 times in the entire New Testament, The King James Version, 29 of the 30 times, translates that word didache 
to doctrine. So this morning, you're going to hear me use the term doctrine, and you're going to hear me use the term teaching. They're interchangeable. They mean the same thing. Actually, the word didache or doctrine or teaching, what it literally translates into is that which is taught. So when we talk about the didache, the teachings of Christ, we're talking about the doctrines of Christ. When I talk about the doctrines of Christ, I'm referring to the teachings of Christ. And we have examples, by the way, within the church, historic. In the Orthodox Church, we have doctrines with regard to the deity of Christ, teachings. We have doctrines with regard to the Trinity, teachings, etc. So here Jesus says, my doctrine is not mine, but him who sent me. This is amazing. Jesus is claiming to speak the very words of God. That's what he's saying here. I'm speaking the very words of God, and we believe this. Look at 2 Timothy, verse 3 and 16. It says, all scripture, not some, not parts that we're comfortable with, not the non-controversial, politically correct stuff. It says, all scripture is breathed out. God breathed. By God. See, God is the author. God is the source of the scriptures. You want to know the heart and mind of our creator? We look to the scriptures. It says it's profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training, and righteousness. Why? In verse 17, so that the man or woman of God might be complete, mature, equipped for what? Every good work. It's interesting, this really is kind of like a linchpin scripture for a doctrine, the doctrine of inspiration. And what we're basically saying here is that the writers of both the Old and the New Testament were supernaturally guided by the Holy Spirit to express exactly what God intended them to express as a revelation of his mind and will. We call that, you'll hear this term, inspiration. Biblical inspiration, that's what we're talking about. That the writers were instruments in that God ultimately spoke through them. He superintended, he used these instruments, but he is the author. He is the source of the scriptures. Look at verse 17, which I think is a fantastic uh, verse. He goes on to say, Jesus does, if anyone's will, if anyone's will is to do the will of God or to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching or doctrine is from God or whether I am speaking on my own authority. If you're taking notes, you can write this one down. Here's a spiritual principle. I'm going to give it to you, and then I'm going to give you an example of what we're talking about here. Here's the spiritual principle. If anyone's will aligns with the will of God, it's to do and it's more than acquiescence. It's more than just we agree. It's a willingness to obey, to do the will of God. Here's what the principle is. Spiritual understanding is not produced solely by learning facts or procedures, but rather it depends on obedience to known truth. I'll say it again. Spiritual understanding is not produced solely by learning facts or procedures, but rather it depends on obedience to known truth. In other words, the more you obey, 
the more you understand. The more you obey, the more you understand. So sound teaching, Christ's teaching, is intended to be lived. Now listen, I'll give you an example. I was diagnosed at 13 with a disease. So I've known, I've been a believer, I'm 49, so I've been a believer for 34 years. I've known, I've struggled with this, it's progressive. And I've had early in my walk, because I've been fortunate to have some wonderful folk who I've sat under and with and learned from, um, I've seen a lot of verses on suffering and that kind of thing. It sanctifies, it's a grace. We talk about it a lot here. And early in my walk, right, I'd hear these things that just didn't make sense. I would argue and fuss and struggle with this stuff. It just didn't make sense to me. It wasn't clear to me. Nonetheless, I set my heart to obey the Lord through the process of suffering and struggle. And you know what? In the obedience, it began to make sense. Things that I did not initially understand started to unfold in me through the obedience. But if I would have waited and said, Lord, I got to figure this out before I obey, I would have never had the blessing of fully comprehending, and I don't really, I shouldn't even say fully comprehend, of starting to scratch the surface of comprehending what the word of God meant when it talks about all this stuff about suffering. I could have, and I think this may be for some folk here. We want everything to line up just perfect before we obey. Or things don't make sense, so we're resistant to obey. And it's amazing that as you step out by faith in obedience, and that's what the scriptures look back at that verse. If anyone's will is to do, to, to obey God's will, then look, look what would happen. He will know. He will then know whether the teaching is actually from God. There's another verse that I love. It's in Psalm 34, 8. You've heard it before. And this principle brings it to life. It says, taste and see that the Lord is good. There's a sequence there. Taste. You step out in obedience. You experience. Tasting is an experiential dynamic. And after tasting, you will see, you'll understand, you'll have greater understanding. And this is unfolding. It's not like a one-time deal. I'm still learning about the suffering thing as I walk daily in obedience to his word. And I'm only going to say this because the Holy Spirit prompted me to say this. But I know with regard to relationships, this is often the case. I was a youth pastor for many a year, and I've had many a young person come to me and say, well, I'm really drawn to this person. Well, is that person a believer? No. Well, I don't understand it. They're such a good kid, and they love their parents, and they're good in school. Why wouldn't God want me? 
And those students who bristled at that, some of them got into relationships that ended up wounding them, hurting them, scarring them. Some of the students who obeyed the Lord, even though to their mind it didn't make sense, they found out later that God had somebody better, that God had a different plan in store. But they wouldn't have understood that at the front end. They were trying to figure it out and rationalize. And God said, just obey. And as you obey, you'll taste and then you'll see that the Lord is good. Verse 18, he goes on, he's still talking, the Lord is, still sharing about teaching. It says, the one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory. <laughs> but the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true, and in him there is no falsehood. Of course, he's referring to himself. Has not Moses given you the law, yet none of you keeps the law? In other words, there's no falsehood in me. Y'all are judging me, but none of you keep the law that you're judging me by. Then he goes on to say, why do you seek to kill me? Interesting. Here, listen. seems that Jesus is distinguishing between those who speak for their own glory in those who speak to glorify God. Those who speak for their own glory in those who speak to glorify God. In the nutshell, this is the world that you and I live in uh, today. We have those who promote and embrace even false teachings, false doctrine. They ultimately do this to promote themselves. And we have the faithful who are committed to the teachings of Christ, to sound doctrine. Why? Because there's an audience of one for them. And that audience of one is Jesus. They're seeking to glorify God. What you don't want is you never want, and thank God by his grace and his mercy, and I ain't bragging on our church, it's just I know this to be true, that at this church the folk who are before you are seeking to glorify God. But you don't want to be in a situation where you're in a ministry where whatever's going on up here is motivated by self. That's dangerous. And unfortunately, it's prevalent. It's, it's widespread in today's world. And by the way, when you stand and you are communicating truth to an audience of one Folk may not like you. They may not applaud. They may persecute you. They may get up and walk out. But again, it's not about you. You see? It's about glorifying the Lord, our God. It's about him. So we're inconsequential in that sense. We live at a time when our society 
is swimming in false doctrine. With the advent of the internet and access to so many different streams of information, I've seen it firsthand with young people and with adults. We're literally up to our earlobes in false teaching, in false doctrine, and folk are confused. They're confused, which is why we're sharing this this morning. This is not new. It's not new news. When I was sharing the outline with Pastor Cowan, he corrected me. I had some insights with regard to the epistles being written to address false doctrine, but he corrected the record. 26 of the 27 New Testament books, 26 of the 27 books in the entire New Testament in some way address false teaching or false doctrine. 26 out of the 27. And there are entire books that are written specifically, Galatians, for example, written by the Apostle Paul to the churches in Galatia to address false teaching, false doctrine. So this is not new. Nor should you and I be surprised that it's still around in 2019. The scripture informs us, 2 Timothy 4.3 says, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching or doctrine, but having itching ears, they'll accumulate for themselves teachers to do what? To suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. First John 4, 1 John 4.1 says this, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for many, many false prophets have gone out into the world. Do we have your attention yet? Yes, I think the word does. So how do we test the spirits? How do you and I navigate this world swimming in false teaching? How do we shepherd our families, our children? Second Timothy 2.15 says, Do your best to present yourself to God. Or study, one version says, to show yourself approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, doing what? Look what it says, rightly or correctly handling the word of truth. Do your best, it says. Do your absolute best. Commit yourself to this to being able to rightly handle the word of truth. Listen, every believer, every believer, you and me, is called to be a theologian. It's not just your Bible teachers, your pastors, your elders, your leaders. They're there to supplement, to serve, to help direct, guide. We'll get into that in just a bit. But the primary responsibility 
is on you, believer, to get into the scriptures, to know God's word, and not just to rely on others. We're called to study to show ourselves approved. Still, it's interesting, it's not enough to just have sound doctrine or beliefs. Doesn't the Bible say even the devils, the demons, believe that God exists and they tremble? But they don't have belief in God. They don't trust in him. They don't commit their lives to him. So Christian doctrine is obviously not the whole of the Christian faith. In addition to belief that certain things are true, which is doctrine, you must believe in Jesus. So we're believing that, but we're also believing in. You place your faith in the finished work of of Jesus Christ. That God so loved the world that he gave his son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So This morning, I want to give you three reasons why, and I want to transition here, studying the scriptures, Christian doctrine is vitally important to every single believer. And the first primary reason is that every Christian is called to spiritual maturity, and your spiritual maturity is directly call are related to your doctrine. Your Christian maturity is directly related to your grasp in handling the scriptures, the word of God. Look at Ephesians 4, beginning with verse 11. And he, referring to the Lord, gave the apostles the prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. So those would be the ministry gifts. Those are the offices that the Lord puts in the church. Listed out here, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. The purpose here is in verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So God has placed these ministry offices within the body of Christ in order to equip us for ministry and ultimately to help us grow up, to mature, which is his goal in our faith. Now look at verse 14. So that we may no longer be children or spiritually immature, Tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. So here the Apostle Paul explains that part of becoming a mature Christian, of attaining the stature of the fullness of Christ, is doctrinal maturity so that you're not carried about like a ship on a stormy sea by every wind of doctrine that comes along. That's our goal. That's God's goal in establishing 
these ministry offices equipping you in God's word. So one of the primary functions of the church, and I mean the church, ministry is to help to you to develop a sound and healthy biblical understanding, to root you in the teachings of the scripture. That's one of the functions of the church in the offices within the church. Again, it doesn't take the place of your personal devotional time. It doesn't take the place of you deciding that you are going to press into God's word every single day to study diligently. But the, the, the scriptures say our purpose is to come alongside and help facilitate that because in order to be mature, you need to be able to rightly handle the word of God. So again, if you want to become a mature Christian, sound doctrine is essential, absolutely essential. Let's look at another verse. In this verse in Galatians chapter 1, verse 6, the context here is that the churches in which Paul had founded in Galatia were confronted with people who were teaching false doctrine, as I had mentioned before. Look what Paul says in Galatians 1, 6. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort, distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. And what Paul is saying here is eternally damned. That's what that word accursed means. And he repeats himself. Look at verse 9. As we've said before, so now I say again, if anyone, anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Now, what are we talking about here, a gospel? Basically, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ, the deity of Jesus. The message of the cross is the gospel. That's what we're talking about here. Paul could not speak in stronger language. He is absolutely protective of the gospel message. Paul is. And he's being clear as a bell to this church in Galatia. Finally, look at Titus 1.9. Here Paul is laying out the qualifications to be an elder in the church. Titus 1.9, it says, He, the elder candidate, must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound, and actually in the Greek that word sound means healthy, it translates into the word healthy doctrine, and also to rebuke those who contradict it. So sound doctrine or biblical teaching 
is so important to God that not only has he placed in the church ministry gifts and offices to help facilitate our growth in knowledge of the word of God, but in the structure of the church, he's commissioned leaders in the church to teach you and also to protect you and me from the influence of lies. It's a qualification of an elder. So even in the ministry gifts, in the ministry structure of the church, God ordained how God sets up his church. All of these are here because of the high value on the teachings of scripture. So the first reason to study doctrine is that you're called to maturity and part of being mature is being able to rightly divide the word of truth. And quickly, the second reason that every believer ought to be committed to the teachings of Christ is that scripture, studying the scripture, is an expression of loving God with all your minds. Look at Matthew twenty-two, thirty-five. Many of us are very familiar with this. It says, in one of them, a lawyer asked him a question to test him. Verse 36, teacher, which is the great or greatest commandment in the entire law, and Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Y'all with me? Am I missing something? And with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself on these two commandments depend all the law and all the prophets. Listen, saints, people, we are called to love God with our minds. For a matter of fact, I'm a history teacher. We look over our shoulders, the annal of history over world history. Some of the greatest thinkers who've ever lived were believers. Were believers, and that's a fact. Don't have time to unpack that, but that is true. We bring our minds, it says, into submission to Christ. It's part of Christian discipleship to love God with your mind. And the best way to do that is to study his word. By studying the truth that God has revealed to us, we actually express our love to him. We fellowship with the bread of life by partaking, by listening, by learning, by studying the scriptures. Scripture study, Bible study is devotional in that it's, a, it's an expression of worship. It's an expression of love. You get to hear and interact with the heart of God, with the mind of God. It's so precious that there are folk who've died to maintain that freedom. The word disciple means learner. Did you know that? It doesn't mean follower or believer. It actually means student. Student. 
as a teacher, and the teachers in the house can say amen to that. We are called to be disciples, to be learners of Jesus Christ. So studying scripture is an expression of loving God with all our minds. Look at Romans 12, 2. It says, do not be conformed to this world. By the way, as a parent, I'm thinking like cell phones, television, right? The internet now. There are a lot of fronts that we're warring in right now to protect the minds and hearts and spirits of our children from the influence of this world. It says, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. In other words, you're confused about the will of God. Renew your mind by his word. Because often the Holy Spirit will, will take scripture that is in your mind deep down and he'll illuminate he'll use the scriptures he leads and guides us the bible says into all truth so we give the spirit something to work with when our hearts and minds are filled with god's word and the will of god becomes all the more clearer as we study his word as we saturate our minds in the scriptures. The third and final reason that systematically studying scripture is essential for every believer is that sound doctrine protects you and me, and this is important, from spiritual deception. Look at 1 Timothy 4.1, and I'm reading from the King James, which I grew up with, in my old traditional Pentecostal African-American context that I came out of and I'm grateful for. First Timothy 4.1 says, Now the Spirit, capital S meaning the Holy Spirit, speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits in doctrines of devils. Behind every false doctrine, behind every false teaching, there's a shadowy figure who is the enemy of God, Lucifer. The Bible says he's the father of lies. And deception has been in his toolbox from the very beginning. Think back to Genesis what does he do? He takes the word of God, that the command that God gave Adam and Eve, and he twists it and uses it, misappropriates it, so that Adam and Eve are confused. He attempts to do this at the temptation of Christ. Of course, he failed miserably because he encountered the word of God incarnate in that case. But one of the modus operandi of the enemy is deception. Deception. That's the first thing he tried in the garden? What does that say about how he views in his mind, twisted mind, that evil tool 
of deception. That's the ace up his sleeve. Which is why in today's world, we're under such attack. Whole denominations are experiencing civil wars over issues of scripture. High and low views of the Bible and doctrine and historic orthodox beliefs that have been held for literally from the beginning are now being called into question. Doctrines of devils. One of the characteristics of the last days, some folk feel we're living in the latter times in the King James Version or the last days, will be an increase in false teaching. That'll earmark, one of the earmarks of the end times will be that there's an increase in false teaching. In today's pluralistic, relativistic world, many have had religious or spiritual experiences, but if they don't have right doctrine, it's spurious at best. Because the scripture says you cannot separate Christ from the fundamental truths about Christ. In other words, you and I can't make Jesus in our own image. Which a lot of folk are doing. Because they're not rooted in the scriptures. They're rooted in themselves. themselves. Second John 9-11, we're almost finished. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ, John says, does not have. Whoever abides in the teaching, the Didache, has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. For whoever greets him, takes part in his wicked ways. Now, this doesn't mean we aren't to witness to folk who are coming, because you'll have it. We've had it, folk knocking on the door, right? And if you're spiritually mature and you're feeling led of the Lord and you're rooted in the scripture, by all means, witness to folk, share the, the gospel with folk. What this does mean, though, is we ought not to be in agreement we ought not to, to, in our attempt to somehow build a bridge, start watering down the gospel and the truth of God's word. Very powerful here. John is clear. You can't separate Christ from scripture. The doctrine of Christ or about Christ is vitally important to having a relationship with God. You and I can identify a counterfeit of Jesus by knowing the true Jesus. You can identify a counterfeit by knowing the word of God, the teachings of Christ, who the true Jesus is. So in conclusion, doctrine without spirit leads to the dead letter of the law, to dead, dry orthodoxy, but a spiritual experience without sound doctrine often leads to fanaticism and potential spiritual deception. 
what we want ultimately is a combination of sound doctrine and spirit-filled living. I'll say it again. Here's the goal. Sound doctrine, spirit-filled living. Sound doctrine, spirit-filled living. That's where the power is to combine both the word and the spirit together. So again, doctrine is not the whole of the Christian life, obviously, but it's an important component of Christian life and cannot be separated from a genuine relationship with God. I want to close with this verse out of John chapter 4, and it probably will make sense maybe now more than it did prior. Says Jesus, the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. In spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. Verse 24. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship, must worship in spirit and truth. So, practically, where does that leave us this morning? You know, I was praying, and I um, yesterday I like to go and walk and pray. And I was like, I felt like the the Lord spoke to me and said, just ask me what you you want with regard. What do you think I want with regard to this morning? Yesterday it would be tomorrow morning. And I said, Lord, um, I want folk to, I believe you would want folk to um, walk away with a renewed commitment to studying the scriptures. And I'd also pray, Father, that you would sound the alarm that folk, that we would not fall asleep at the wheel, so to speak, but be aware that there's a spiritual warfare waging all around us, all around us. And God has given us weapons, spiritual weapons, the word of God, of course. But you and I need to access that. There needs to be a diligence. We need to be open-eyed in discerning as fathers, as mothers, family members around us come under the sway of this world. We have to be able to rightly divide the truth. So here at our church, We have small groups. We have Bible studies that are taking place throughout the week. Later on, you'll hear more about the different options that are available for us so that you can plug in and be rooted and grounded in the word of God. I'll tell you, when I was a baby believer, Um, Thank God, but the Lord planted in me an insatiable desire and appetite for his word. And when there were opportunities for me to go and to learn and to grow, you know, I made it a priority to plug in and to be there. 
And I think that is true for every believer, that our opportunities around us should be accessed. And let me also underscore that for every one of us, every day, as a believer, um, we should be in the word of God. We should be opening up, breaking bread. We should be studying our interactions and discipleship. If we're in a discipleship group, if we're mentoring other folk in the faith, should all be rooted and centered around God's word. God's word. So there are opportunities for us to respond in the upcoming weeks and months. But let me encourage you going forward um, thank God that we have the truth. Your say and the truth will do what will set you free. You know the truth, and the truth will set you free. In closing, would you hold up your Bibles? I used to do this years ago, so my wife remembers this from years ago. Would you repeat after me? This is the word of the Lord. I desire to learn it, to live it, and to share it with others. Lord, give me ears to hear and a heart to receive your word. Amen. Be blessed. Be blessed. Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org.